0: On May eighth, rendition of the show, we'll talk about what all happened over the busy weekend, including UFC 249, The Last Dance Part 7 and 8, Ryan Newman wins final eNASCAR iRacing series in virtual North Wilkesboro, Speedway, and much more. Ryan Newman wins virtual NASCAR race, and Kyle Larson returns to racing. Denny Hamlin executed a perfect bump and ran to take the lead in the final laps to win the race at the virtual North Wilkesboro Speedway. This historic racetrack has not been used by NASCAR since 1998, but with the help of Dale Earnhardt Jr. and volunteers who cleaned the track so it could be surveyed, the track made its debut on the iRacing platform. Jr. took part in the final e-NASCAR race today, and so did Jeff Gordon, who won the last NASCAR Cup Series at the North Wilkesboro track in 1996. Both finished middle of the pack in the virtual event. According to NASCAR.com, Tommy Hill, who finished in the top three for the sixth time in the series after the race, well, it's been a fun experience. We can't wait to get back to racing at Darlington next week. I really enjoyed what this was because I can't wait to get back on the driving what we normally do. While many drivers will get back to the NASCAR circuit next week, Kyle Larson will not be one of them. He was suspended several weeks ago when he used a racial slur on a virtual race aired on Twitch. This weekend, he did travel to Iowa, however, and took part in the dirt racetrack in Knoxville. He even had a few sponsors just played in his race car, and there is even chatter about an eventual return to NASCAR. The young driver, who is half Asian and rose through the ranks as part of NASCAR's diversity program, has taken sensitivity training, but is still at the mercy of many to give him a second chance. Chip Ganassi Racing fired him, but there's talk of Tony Stewart's team signing him somewhere in the future, albeit a much discounted rate. The NAIA has announced they will make a women's flag football of RC sport in the year 2021. The league is working with the NFL to make it happen. It was a two-year relationship with the National Football League. The NFL Flag Arm and RCX, which is short for reigning championship experience. The championship will be in the spring of 2022. The league demands at least 40 schools be recognized as an organized sport. NFL Executive Vice President of Football Operations Troy Vincent said, This is groundbreaking and historic joint venture provides an opportunity for values, fun, and competitive environment of football to be enjoyed as a varsity sport by female student-athletes attending NAIA institutions across America. Since 2013, the sport flag football has grown 50%. President and general manager of NFL RCX, Izell Reese, said in a statement, increasing female participation in flag football has been a top priority for NFL flag. By teaming up with the NAIA, we're able to create even more opportunities for young women to continue the sport they love and potentially receive scholarships to continue their education and compete at the next level. Before we dive into some more awesome sports topics, I'd like to tell you about Anchor. If you haven't heard anything about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Can't go wrong with that. And guess what? There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. That's not all, though. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you so it can be here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It keeps on getting better, though. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, let's get back to the show. Commissioner of the NCAA, Mark Emmert, has said all four sports will not happen unless most colleges and universities open their campuses. In early March, the NCAA canceled all their spring and summer activities. Emmert believes the decision will be made in the next coming months. His goal is to have the decision made by June or July. He also does not believe college football will start on time. On an interview at the NCAA Twitter account on Friday night, he said all of the commissioners and every president that I've talked to is in clear agreement. that if you don't have students on campus, you don't have student athletes on campus. And said this doesn't mean the school has to be up and running in the full normal model. But you have to treat the health and well-being of the athletes, at least as much as the regular students. If a school doesn't reopen, then you're not going to be playing sports. It's really that simple. He also said, just because there's some regulation that's been lifted, doesn't mean that automatically means you should immediately put 105,000 fans in a football stadium. I think the proper thing to do and the sensible thing to do is a phased approach. It's plausible to me that early in the season, let's just stick with football. You see a very limited fan access, but by late in the season, as things develop, hopefully in a very positive way, you all of a sudden can see larger fan bases attending. The chief medical officer of the NCAA, Dr. Brian Hartline, believes that the first step in having false sports is testing. He stated, what does testing really mean and how often does it have to be done, especially if you are in a contact sport and the athletes are close to each other? If the NCAA can't figure something out, they will continue to lose money. Most universities in the NCAA thrive in college football season because of the demand. Schools such as LSU, Alabama, and Ohio State make millions of dollars each year. It would be a shame to see college football and other sports in the fall cancel. The Power Five conferences leaving the NCAA, there have been many rumors that school certain schools are not happy with the NCAA. They are losing millions of dollars with sports being canceled. It'd be extremely difficult for teams to leave the NCA. mostly because there's plenty of committees that they would have to go through in order to leave the well-established NCA. They also would have no other leagues to really join. The air is the NAIA, but it's very small. To say the least, it could be a very interesting summer. The Last Dance, Part 7 and 8, aired on Sunday night and once again did not disappoint. Many players such as LeBron James were even tweeting about the series. Part 7 of the series began in 1993. It's July and Michael Jordan is currently in the off-season. James Jordan, the father of Michael, was his best friend. MJ discussed many things with his father that he did not tell anybody else. When Michael won his first championship in 1991, his father was there to congratulate him. James Jordan was also there for MJ when he won in ninety-two and ninety-three. In 1993, during his gambling scandals, his father was his safe place. But everything changed in the summer. MJ was at a charity event he was sponsoring in North Carolina. His father was supposed to meet him on the exact day. A few weeks later, it was reported that his father had passed away through a hit and run. Michael was so grieved he decided he did not want to play basketball anymore. Part eight begins when Michael Jordan retired after nine seasons in the NBA. Due to all the scandals, when the gambling, he was exhausted. It was reported that Michael was seriously talking to his dad about playing professional baseball. He decided to sign with the Chicago White Sox because of many things that rookie ball and single A could not handle from the media, Michael was put into double A. 18 months later, due to the MLB lockout, he returned to the NBA. He wore number 45 in his first few games, and after failing to beat the Orlando Magic in the Eastern Conference semifinals, MJ decided to heavily train in the offseason while playing in the heavily anticipated movie Space Jam. The 95-96 Bulls are considered the greatest team ever assembled and at the time broke the best record in the league history for a season with 72 wins. They went on to beat the Supersonics in six games for their fourth title in six years. The eight part ends when the Chicago Bulls get ready to face the Indiana Pacers in the 1998 Eastern Conference Finals. The last two parts of the documentary series part 9-10 and will be aired next week on ESPN starting at 9 p.m. Eastern. Major League Baseball will meet on Monday with owners and players about starting the season in July, according to CBS Sports HQ Jim Bowden. The MLB, PA, and owners will make the final decision on Tuesday about the proposal. The plan would include a spring training no later than June 15th, and rosters would be expanded. The season would start in early July in places such as Arizona, Florida, and Texas. Texas are not options anymore for quarantined areas. However, the MLB still does not know what to do about when teams travel to Toronto to plug the Blue Jays. At the moment, when players travel to Canada, they will have to be quarantined for 14 days. Last week on the show, we discussed the MLB proposing to players and the owners within the next week about how to start the season. Major League Baseball finally has a proposal ready, and the rest of the league is ready to get back to playing the game they love. Athletic reporter Ken Rosenthal said that a truncated season of 80 or so games begins in early July. Teams would only face division rivals in the same geographic division and other leagues to keep games regional. Teams would open the season in as many home parks as possible. That would cut down on travel and allow players and personnel to easily isolate at the home with their families. An expanded postseason format would send seven teams to the playoffs per league. The plan would be similar to an idea floated back. The MLB canceled spring training and postponed the season until further notice back in March. Like other leagues, the MLB is trying to find different ways to come back so they won't have to cancel the season and lose millions and millions of dollars. They have had many suggestions on how the season should start. The 2020 campaign will be heavily shortened, but it's better than nothing. This pay-per-view event that brought back live sports to television did not disappoint. This was a very star-studded card in the world of MMA, and there were so many headlines from last night, it's hard to focus on one. The big question, though, was it a success? Although there is no official number, according to Dana White in a New York Times article, he said that the pay-per-view purchases before the fight were twice that of previous pay-per-view events that include fighters like Conor McGregor and Jon Jones. This goes to show you that even in hard economic times, Americans are hungry for sports. Before the night even got started, one of the fighters on the undercard tested positive for COVID-19. This was not a good way to start UFC 249, but from there, things only got better. To start the main card, former NFL defensive end for the Dallas Cowboys, Greg Hardy, fought in the UFC as he took care of his opponent by decision in the heavyweight division. After the fight, he gave a shout out to Daniel Cormier, former champion in two divisions, and the ring announcer at the fight. He was able to hear his commentator commentary because there was no crowd and so he changed his strategy mid-fight. Another fighter early in the evening said he was able to do the same thing, Francis Nangato also took care of his opponent by knocking out him in only 22 seconds. He has the second, he has the most knockout since 2015 in the entire UFC. Henry Cejudo defended his bantamweight title against former champion Dominic Cruz after he caught him with the knee to the face. It was a controversial stoppage after the referee called the fight when Cruz was not able to return any of Cejudo's 11 punches. It does appear that Cruz was on his way up as the referee called the fight, and Cruz claims that he was still able to understand what was going on around him. Cruz then spoke with the reporter from ESPN and said that the referee smelled like alcohol and cigarettes, a strong accusation after a bitter defeat. After the fight, Henry Cejudo announced his retirement in the ring with Joe Rogan. He will end his career as the reigning champion in two divisions. The main fight was a bloodbath between Tony Ferguson and Justin Gagey. Ferguson is the favorite fighter, but Justin is known to be a vicious fighter. The first handful of rounds seemed to favor Tony Ferguson, and many believed that his stamina would be the deciding factor to win the fight. However, things got started to look bad for Ferguson when Gagey stood him up at the end of the rounds and making his feet wobble a little. He was then saved by the bell. Many fans watched in amazement as the El Kikui, took several punches to the face. He was not able to withstand him entirely, and when he he looked shaking up deep into the fifth round, the referee had enough. After the fight, Justin Gage declined the interim title belt, saying he was waiting for the real one. Unfortunately, many people feel that they will never see a fight between Tony Ferguson and Khabib. Khabib did go on Twitter, though, and send an uplifting message of encouragement, and no one can disagree that he has nothing but respect for the boogeyman. Thanks for listening to the 7-Eleven Sports Podcast. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, and check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.